Folks, it's 11-11, and that means it's time to make a wish. <sighs> did it come true? Oh, shoot. My wish did come true. I wish that the Jets would do something totally unbelievable today. And they did. They got crushed by the Buffalo Bills. Good afternoon, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Nick Drago. Coming up on the show today, we talk about Des Bryant's new job eating bonbons while the Saints push for the Super Bowl. Joel Quinneville was fired from the Blackhawks. Antonio Brown thought he could drive at the speed of light. And Jimmy Butler will be playing in my own backyard here in Philadelphia. Plus, Joe Calabro from GoLocalProv.com is on the show to talk a little Patriots. So, stick around because sports, sports, sports starts now. Welcome, welcome to the Sports 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 Podcast with myself, Nick Drago. For those of you joining us for the first time, thanks for tuning in. Our goal is to provide you with a quick recap of this week's news while providing insight into the next. If you like the sound of my voice floating into your ears, hit that subscribe button or find us on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, and YouTube by typing Sports 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 with Nick Drago. Uh, this week, I dropped in on social media for a live update on some headlines in our newest edition of seg- a new our newest edition segment. It's our newest segment that we added this week. Sports, 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 live, live, live. Every once in a while, I'll just drop in, give you some headlines. Uh, try saying that five times fast. Sports, 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 live, live, live. Plus, we also uh, dropped the entire Joe Calabro interview that was on social media earlier this week. We're going to play it for you again today. Remember, it takes place. Uh, before the Patriots game today, but we do talk a lot of things that aren't just the Patriots and Titans, so you're definitely going to want to listen to that one. Um, hey, why don't why don't we just get right into it, right? We'll talk some football. All right, let's start. Thursday night, so the Steelers beat the Panthers 52-21, to all three Panthers touchdowns by Christian McCaffrey. Bills beat the Jets 41-10. Fans, including myself, are starting to pull out the pitch por- the pitchforks, calling for Todd Bowles' head. This could go down as a very dark day in Jets history. Redskins improved to six and three after beating the Bucks sixteen to three. Only touchdown pass the entire game was a short catch by Josh Dotson. Titans they embarrassed the Patriots in a blowout loss. Like I said, Joe Clavery is going to talk about this game on the show later. It was recorded before the game, uh, but we do talk insight into what the heck is going on in Patriot world. Saints, they blow out the Bengals, uh, 51-14. Chiefs get another win over the Cardinals, 26-14. Pat Mahomes, he went 28 for 21, 249 yards, and two touchdowns. Still my spirit animal. Bears and Lions, with Chicago getting the best of Detroit. Lions did put on a valiant effort, scoring two touchdowns in less than a minute during the first quarter. Uh, Final score, though, 34-22. Browns beat the Falcons, 28-16, in what looks like a beautiful future for Baker Mayfield. 216 yards, three TDs. Colts, they scored 29 points in the first half. They were leading 29-13 to 13 at halftime. But the Jags, they just keep coming and nipping, and they actually brought it within three. Final score, 29-26. Colts held them off just barely for that win. Chargers held the Raiders to two field goals. Final score, 20-6. Uh, Rams and Seahawks, that was a shootout for the third straight game. The Rams were in a close situation with less than 10 minutes to go. Last week, they fell apart. They held strong this time. Ended the game 36-31, beating Russell Wilson. Packers beat the Dolphins 31-12. Cowboys and Eagles. It's been exciting. Currently, the score is 3-0 Dallas. We're halfway through the second quarter. 
Uh, tomorrow's game is the 1 and 7 Giants versus the 2 and 7 49ers because that's what everybody wants to watch on Monday Night Football, right? Right? All right, let's take a, take a quick look at the playoffs or what they would be if the season were to end today. Right now, the NFC North, you'd have the Steelers at 6 and 2. Titans rule the AFC South at 6 and 3. Patriots at 7 and 3 in the AFC East and the Chiefs 9 and 1 in the AFC West. The wild cards for the AFC would be the Chargers, they're at 7 and 2, and the Bengals. The Bengals are at 5 and 4. They're the next closest team. Still a lot can happen though in the next few weeks. Uh, for the NFC in the North, it's the Bears at 6 and 3, the Saints at 8 and 1 in the South, the East Redskins, they're still up there 6 and 3, but Cowboys and the Eagles, they made some big moves, so mm, let's see what happens. I, I know they're playing tonight, so that could really tell the tale for the rest of the uh, rest of the year in the NFC East. And the Rams there at nine and one in the West. Wild cards are the Panthers at six and three, and the Vikings at five and three. No shockers there. Dez Bryant, let me tell you something about this guy. I had him on my fantasy team from week one to like week five, even though he wasn't on an actual roster. I just assumed someone's gonna sign him. I thought it would make me look like a genius. That did not work. I look like a dum-dum. Des Bryant was released from the Cowboys in April. He spent a few months trying to get signed somewhere without luck. There's even speculations the Cowboys would bring him back, but then the Saints came into the picture, signing him to a one-year deal with worth $1.75 million max, depending on his how his season shakes out. Although, I suppose all of those incentives won't matter because two days into his contract, literally two days after the ink is dry on that paper, Dez goes down in practice with a tor Achilles a torn Achilles tendon. It's going to sideline him for the whole year. First off, I really want to meet whatever Saints fans went out and bought a Dez Bryant jersey. Please, if you're out there, contact us immediately. Um, <clears throat> secondly, now Dez has to start that whole process of finding a job because who I don't think the Saints are going to want him. The guy's 31 years old, hasn't played in a year by the time he returns. So it's basically back to the job market. That's It's, it's just not a selling point, it being that old and not playing for that long. At least he can enjoy making a million dollars sitting on his butt. Isn't that just the American dream? Le'Veon Bell will be watching the Steelers on the sideline for the rest of the season. Eh, who cares? James Conner's crushing it anyway. 771 yards, 10 TDs. For those keeping track at home, that's second behind Todd Gurley in yardage, fourth in the league in touchdowns. Nick Chubb continues to dominate for the Browns. He had 179 yards, two touchdowns, including a 92-yarder. Tyreek Hill has the touchdown celebration of the week, jumping into the stands and taking a camera from one of the TV folks uh, and playing around with that during his celebration. Moving from the pros to that level, just below them, uh, we're talking, of course, NCAA football. Uh, it's in the home stretch. A couple of big games this week and going into the next few weeks. This weekend... Here are some of the most interesting ones. Thursday night, NC State, they fell to Wake Forest, 27-23. Wake Forest has been, was losing with six minutes to go before two, two late TDs put them over the top. Fresno State was up 17-3 over Boise State. Two TDs by running back Alexander Madison. That tied it up. Broncos went on to win 24-17. Ohio State beat Michigan 26-6. Kentucky Wildcats, they've been having a wild season. But they would be badly by unranked Tennessee 24-7 in a pretty boring game. Alabama beat Mississippi State 24-0. Shocker here. That's their second shutout in a row. Iowa falls to Northwestern 14-10. Oklahoma barely, barely gets past Oklahoma State 
48-47 OSU decided to go big or go home, opting for a two-point conversion after their last touchdown with a minute to go. Two-point attempt fails, and they end up losing by one. Should have just tied it up, boys. Georgia, by the way, they beat Auburn 27-10. to Rankings look like this. Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame. They remain undefeated. They sit number one, number two, and number three. Clemson has no ranked teams left on its schedule. Alabama gets a face of Georgia in two weeks. That should be fun. And Notre Dame plays Syracuse. Yeah, Syracuse is like 13th in the country right now. They will be playing each other at the end of the uh, end of the season as well. Number four is Michigan at 9-1, but they still have Ohio State, which could play spoiler. Georgia and Oklahoma are also 9-1. LSU is 8-2 at number seven. Washington State, West Virginia, Ohio State, they all have one loss to round out the top 10. A lot can happen in the next few weeks. So any one of those games can grab, any one of those teams, sorry, can grab a playoff spot. However, UCF, they're ranked 11th. They are undefeated. The problem is they don't play any ranked teams, so it's hard to put them in the same caliber as Clemson, Notre Dame, in Alabama. All right, we're going to talk uh, more football later with our special guest, Joe Calabro. But uh, until then, we should discuss some football and a little bit of hockey, maybe a little baseball free agency. News. Oh, no, we're not doing that today. No, we're going to talk soccer instead. Tim Nunzig uh, weighing in on the Euro Super League that we mentioned last week. So we'll talk more about that. Uh, so don't dare. Don't you dare make a move. Don't. Don't do it. Don't, I'm watching you. I see you out there. Don't move. We'll be right back. And they're going to snap it, and it's Trey Burton who throws caught. Foles, touchdown. Well, it's officially upon us, friends. I hope you have your North Faces and your PSLs ready, because you're going to need them. I have to say, both of those companies have really good branding. I mean, who, who doesn't want that for their own company? We here at Sports 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 are looking for the same like-minded companies who want to grow their brands by advertising through us. Want to be involved? It's easy. Just email us at sports3xpodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's sports3xpodcast at gmail.com. Right now we're offering free advertising on our show, so please shoot us a message and take advantage of this offer. Okay, that's all I have to say. Let's get back to the show. Welcome back. Let's look at some basketball games from this weekend. That was a really bad shot. Raptors took a bite out of the Knicks, 28-12. Uh, 28-12. Wow. Okay. Let me let me recover here. Raptors took a bite out of the Knicks, 128-112. Clippers beat the Bucks by two points, 128-126. Milwaukee, they've been up and down all game, 40 points in the second, but only 20 in the third. This one had to go to overtime. Pelicans beat the last place Suns 119-99. Wizards, they get past the Miami Heat 116-110. Bulls with a one-point victory over the Cavaliers. Huh. Grizzlies, they get past the 76ers in overtime 112-106. But this may be a different story when they play in two weeks because Jimmy Butler, he's rocking and rolling. Or he will be by then with the 76ers. Rockets, Rockets continue to struggle against the Spurs, losing 96-89. to this would have been a lot closer had Houston not been held to 18 points in the fourth quarter. Talks right now swirling that Carmelo Anthony could be stuck with less playing time as the team looks to heat up, but they have said they are not cutting him from the roster. They're paying him too much. Warriors beat the next 116-110. Uh, sorry, 116-100. Mavericks get a win over the Thunder, 111-96. Westbrook continues to sit for OKC. The Lake Show beat our beat Sacramento, 101-86. 25 points for LeBron, who's actually having a below-average season statistically. 
Hornets beat the Pistons 113-103. to The Rockets, they won today over the Panthers. The Panthers. The Pacers, 115-103. And the Magic right now, they are destroying the Knicks. Bucks and Nuggets, that's a late one of the night. Same thing with Celtics Trailblazers, although that should be a good one. Uh, and the Hawks and Lakers, that's late. As of right now, the standings look like this for the uh, the teams in the playoff picture. You have the Raptors at number one in the East, at twelve and one. Bucks are nine and three. Pacers eight and five. Celtics seven and five. Seventy Sixers eight and six. Look for them to move up in the next few weeks. Hornets seven and six. Pistons six and six. And then the Nets, the Nets, the Nets, the Nets. You know, they're at eight. They're at six and seven. A losing record, but they're in that eight slot on the bubble. Magic and Heat. They're both five and seven. Uh, in the West, you have the Warriors eleven and two, Trailblazers nine and three, Nuggets nine and three, Spurs seven and four, Grizzlies they're also seven and four, Clippers at seven and five, Thunder at seven and five, Kings at seven and six. That's number eight. And then on the bubble, you have the Jazz, Lakers, and Pelicans. All of them six and six. So possibly a losing team getting into the playoffs in the East. We'll see. We're not even a quarter through the season. Or maybe we are. We're, we're just about at a quarter through the season. As mentioned, Jimmy Butler's going to the 76ers. Hopefully they, he didn't, hopefully they didn't hemorrhage too much for what could be a short term in Philly. Regardless, I'm ready to see this guy in person. I don't know how he fits into the Sixers locker room. He doesn't exactly have the reputation of a team player. But Embiid and Simmons seem to think he'll fit just, he'll fit in just fine. Uh, Jimmer Ferdetti had a 75-point game over in China. Fans will remember Jimmer from his time at BYU and his failed NBA career. Unfortunately, he's a bit of an in-betweener. He's too good for the NBA G League and the Chinese League, but he's just not good enough for the NBA. He's tried. All right, let's talk about some good old hockey, eh? Sabres, they beat the Canucks 4-3 in a shootout. Blackhawks, they shut down the Flyers 4-0. They have yet to get a win. Oh, sorry, they are shut out by the Flyers 4-0. They have yet to get a win since Joel Quinneville was fired as head coach earlier this week. No fear, friends. We're going to talk about that later in the show. Predators, they're in the midst of their best start ever to a season. They won 5-4 over the Dallas Stars. Penguins, they snap a five-game losing streak with a 4-0 shutout of the Coyotes. Panthers beat the Red Hot Islanders 4-2. I never thought I'd say that sentence in my life. Rangers get a much-needed win over the Blue Jackets in a shootout. Golden Knights, they lose the Canadians 5-4. Senators stun Tampa Bay with four goals in the fourth period to win 6-4. Bruins beat out the Maple Leafs 5-1. Hurricanes fall to the Red Wings 4-3. Canes uh, had a great start of the season, but they are 1-6 in their last seven games. Flames beat the Kings 1-0. Wild get a late goal to beat the Blues 3-2. Uh, Coyotes crushed the Caps 4-1. Panthers exploded for five goals today. And the Jets, Devils, that's a late one. Same with Ve uh, Vegas and the Bruins. Flames and Sharks, Avalanche, and Oilers. All that stuff's late tonight, so I don't have a score for you now. But as of this moment... This is what the playoff preview is looking like for NHL hockey. The Atlantic Division, not many surprises here. The Lightning are up with 25 points. You have the Maple Leafs there at 22. Canadians there at 21, right? Wild cards for the East would be the Bruins and Sabres. They're both at 20 because the Metro makes no sense right now. Absolutely zero sense, okay? Um, the Blue Jackets are on top with 20 points. The Flyers are in second with 19. And the Islanders are in third at 18 points. Uh, what a difference from the week ago. The Penguins and the Capitals, they all have 17 points. They're five and six in the standings. It's likely not going to last. The Rangers, the Islanders, the Blue Jackets, and the Flyers really, well, the Flyers made the playoffs last year. They, they actually could have a chance to stick around. But I don't see the Blue Jackets, Islanders, or Rangers really staying at one, four, uh, one three, and four. 
in the central, things make a little bit more sense. Predators, 26 points. Wild with 24. Stars with 20. The Canucks with 22 in the Pacific. Flames with 21. Sharks with 19. And the two wild cards, you have the Jets with 19 points. And the Oilers, they're at 17. But there are a couple different teams tied at 17. So really, you know, it's too soon in the season to really tell. But that's where the standings are as of this moment. Earlier this week, the Chicago Blackhawks fired longtime coach Joel Quinneville after a slow start to the season. Quinneville famously brought three Stanley Cups to the city of Chicago, ending a 60-plus year drought for the city. Overall, team was 6-6-3 before he was let go. And since then, team's 0-2. So, was he the problem? Not really. This team has a lot of issues, even if it's loaded with talented players. Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Brent Seabrook, Corey Crawford, Duncan Keith... But what the team has in experience, it lacks in defense, speed, and quite honestly, youth. Earlier this year, I made the same argument that the Hawks tied up way too much money in its top players than in its depth. $51 million are being spent on seven players. That's it. Just seven players. That's not really good when your salary is $79 million. In hockey, you're only as good as your bottom line. Your two bottom lines. Plus, their main core, all of them are in their 30s except for Patrick Kane. He's 29. They've been trying to stock their minor league team with defensive prospects, but those draft picks the last few years, they're just not ready. And Quinnville's replacement, Jeremy Colton, he's been trying to change some of the defensive shifts, but it's not really working out. Now, by no means am I saying this team is done. In fact, they're on the playoff bubble even as we speak. And they can, in fact, make noise in the postseason. In hockey, anything can happen. Like I said, experience means a lot. If I can compare to the to the Pittsburgh Penguins or the Detroit Red Wings, I will. Neither team had to sacrifice its core players during their dry spells, and they still found ways to evolve and push on to the next level. Penguins through youth, the Red Wings just through sheer firepower. Um, <clears throat> those are just some two other recent examples that are very similar to the Red to the Chicago Blackhawks situation. Both were winning cups, went through some kind of dry spell, and then ended up winning more cups. Um, Another factor here to keep in mind, Scotty Bowman, that's the GM. He likes to meddle with team affairs when things aren't going his way. Now, Bowman, he's a legend behind the bends. He was the coach, he's been coaching since 1967. From 67 to 2001, he won nine Stanley Cups during this time with the Canadians, Penguins, and with the Red Wings. Uh, the last time the Blackhawks were losing like this, he sent Barry Smith to observe his practices. Quinnville was not a fan of that experiment, and thus it didn't last long. Now... Quinville's no longer with the team. Guess who the assistant coach is for the Blackhawks? Yep, Barry Smith. So Bowman is poised to take to be a little bit more active in writing the ship. My guess is he needed a yes man behind the bench, which Quinville is not, and neither of his old pals from the Whalers, Kevin Deneen and Alf Samuelson. A little Hartford shout out for you there. Fire the lot, start over. Okay, so recapping here. Biggest issues with this team, okay? They're spending two-thirds of their money on their top players. They're aging, and I might add they have no defense, poor defensive prospects, plus an interfering GM who wants more control than just assembling the team. You're talking about a recipe for disaster here, and Quinnville, unfortunately, was the scapegoat. Moving on, in other news, we all learned a lesson about what you should and maybe shouldn't say in an Uber. Last weekend, a group of Ottawa Senators players, including Matt Duchesne, Thomas Shabbat, uh, Alex Fermentin, uh, Dylan DeMello, Colin White, Chris Tierney, and Chris Weidman. They all stepped in an Uber down in Arizona. The driver, James Sparklin, what an awesome name, 
Parkland. He was aggravated by the players and thus posted the video online of the players in his vehicle bashing the team's performance on special teams along with the coach in charge of special teams, Martin Raymond. Players, of course, had no idea they were being recorded, but Arizona is a one-party consent state. That means only one of the two people involved in the recording have to be knowledgeable that the conversation is being recorded, in this case, the Uber driver. So nothing he did is technically illegal. It just did really poor taste. Team as a whole apologized to Raymond, and they're trying to get the video taken down. Unfortunately, apparently, there is more footage out there that is yet to be released, so maybe there's more to the story that can develop. The driver claims he wasn't in the right state of mind when he posted the video. He was indeed fired for Uber for a violation of their terms of service. Um, <clears throat> fans, look, just don't do anything stupid in Uber. We've all been there. I mean, it's it's happened to each and, each and every one of us. We've done something dumb. Maybe next time, just give the guy a good tip if you say or do something dumb. All right, I'm ready to take a break. Uh, a break? <laughs> Let's take a break. Still to come, our guest Joe Calabro, plus MLS talk, and Floyd Money Mayweather. He had quite the week. No worries, sports, sports, sports. We'll be back, back, back. Kevin Miller. Right back ahead, it's DeBrusque with a step. DeBrusque trying to get back. inside, gets himself out of position. DeBrusque is able to get it to the forehand, and that's a nasty goal. Are your briefs too stretchy? Well, now they don't have to be with stiff pants. Now with only 45% chance of impotence. Okay, that's a pretty bad advertisement. You know what would work better here, though? Your own ad. Nick Drago here again, offering you a piece of the action right here, right now. Best part is, it could be anything you want it to be. No, wait, that's not the best part. How could I forget the best part? The best part is I'm offering free ad space. So, if you have a product you want me to endorse, please email us at sports3xpodcast at gmail.com. It won't cost you a dime, and I'll be waiting patiently at my computer. Vikings at their own 39. It's third down. Three receivers right, feel, and left. Marshawn Lattimore, 12 yards from Adam. Case on a deep drop. Steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side. Caught by Diggs. Stay oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, 30. No way. Touchdown. Are you kidding me? It's a Minneapolis Marathon. Stephon Diggs. And the Minnesota Vikings have walked up on the New Orleans Saints. It's a 61-yard All right, friends, I know I talk a lot about the New York Jets on this show, but that doesn't mean I can't go into enemy territory every once in a while. Up in Foxborough, the Patriots were off to a difficult start to the season, with fans worrying that the dynasty may be coming to an end. But a six-game winning streak has changed that narrative. This week, they played the Titans and former teammate Malcolm Butler, who is the center of some controversial storylines this summer. Joining me on the show today is Joe Calabro from Go Local Prov. Dot com. Joe covers the New England Patriots and is coming in to discuss this weekend's game along with, uh, with some other happenings in Foxborough and the rest of the league. Joe, thanks for joining me once again on the show. How are you? Hey, Nick. It's great to be with you. Always great to be on the Sports 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 Podcast. <laughs> you have to say that as, right? as fast as you there, can. Right? 
So, so talk to me a little bit about uh, the the Patriots, Joe. I know you cover them pretty heavily for GoLocalProv.com. Tell me what's going on in Patriot world. Well, after an awful one-two start, we're now Patriots are now seven and two, so <laughs> that's pretty good. And uh, we got the, uh, the Tennessee Titans on Sunday, one p.m. game uh, in Tennessee, then a bye week. So let's just, they're just gonna get through this week. Eight, hopefully, be eight and two. And then you know, again, considering where we started. What we talked about uh, a month or two ago, whatever it was, last time yeah. I was on, and how you know terrible they looked and how disgraceful they looked through two out of the first three games. Um, you know, seven and two, seven and two is pretty good. They added to their offense. They obviously they got Edelman back. Uh, they acquired Josh Gordon from Cleveland, and he so far worked out uh, to this point in the season. As we know, with Josh Gordon, you know things could go off the rails at any time. <laughs> so, but so far he's like pretty good. He's done a great job. He's been a team player. Uh, I believe the, I think the Patriots are protecting him a lot. Um, for example, in his press conferences after the game, you're you're only allowed to ask three questions. He only, he only takes three questions from the media. Really? So the Patriots are protecting him a lot. Um, but I mean, maybe that's what they have to do. Maybe that's what they feel they have to do. Uh, there was a report uh, two games ago. I believe it was the Monday night game against Buffalo, where uh, I think. Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network reported that Gordon would be benched for the first couple series because he was late and that Belichick was going to bench him. Well, as it turns out, Gordon played the entire game, didn't miss a a series. He actually started. And then he was asked, Belichick was asked about it after the game, and Belichick said, you have to talk to the reporter. So basically, Belichick just made the reporter, Ian Rappaport, look bad for reporting that. And he protected his player, uh, which if that's what you have to do to keep this guy in line and keep him productive, then, I mean, so be it. So it's been a really interesting dynamic. Uh, they put his locker right next to Tom Brady's locker in uh, the Patriots locker room at Gillette. Uh, I'm sure that wasn't an accident. Uh, and so, so far, it's worked out pretty well. I mean, obviously, Sonny Michelle is now down with injuries. Gronk has been um, in and out all year, but even, even when he's been in, uh, he hasn't been a huge factor, and I know we'll get to that in a bit. But uh, so far, seven and two from where they started. Um, you know, you can't complain too much if you're a Patriots fan right now. And again, well, you know, there's a lot of factors, um, but I don't see them losing more than one or two games the rest of the year. Yeah. This rate, so. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I feel like maybe, and maybe this is just me as an ignorant, you know, Jets fan here, but um, I feel like the Patriots always start off, you know one and two, one and three, and it's almost like the whole everybody thinks the dynasty is about to collapse. And then when it's all said and done, three weeks in, four weeks in, it's a totally different story. Players come back. Like you said, Edelman's back now. They brought in Josh Gordon, which by, I agree with you was a really smart move. You know, the guy's got some issues, obviously, but the Patriots are great at taking players like that and turning them into team players, fitting that Patriot mold. At least for a season there. Right, yeah. Randy Moss worked out kind of for a season, a little more than a season. To be fair, in Randy Moss's case, obviously a great receiver. Um, to be fair, you know his second year, Brady ended up getting injured yeah. in the first game of the season. So you know, in fairness to Moss, he kind of got—I don't say he got screwed because he was still productive, and the Patriots still went eleven and five that season, which was still unbelievable. Yeah, <laughs> considering I mean, but you know, to be fair to Randy Moss, he kind of got. You know, kind of screwed in that situation, but for yeah, they are. I mean, Corey Dillon worked out 
you know, for a year. And then the next year, he kind of went off the rails. Uh, Randy Moss went off the rails in 2010, I, th- I believe. And then they traded him, mm-hmm. and they brought Berkey on branch, and that ended up working out for the better. So, uh, for a year there. So, so far, like I said, Josh Gordon has been great. I mean, he's, he's been uh, productive on the field. I think he had a 100-yard game uh, in the Patriots game against uh, the Packers. He had that yeah. touchdown catch. Yeah. He had a big game against the Bears in Chicago. Um, and he hasn't had any issues. But like I said, you know, and, and this is fine. I mean, this is what you have to do. You know, the pitchers are protecting him. He only takes three questions in a post-game press conference. You know, he doesn't really talk to the media during the week. Not really. He did it once, I think. Yeah. But not really. And, you know, there was that report from Rappaport that said he was going to be suspended. Or not suspended, but benched for the first quarter for tardiness. Uh, he wasn't did end up being suspended in the first quarter. He ended up playing the whole game. He ended up being productive. And then they asked Belichick asked about it after the game, and he said, "You'll have to ask the reporter about that." So, you know, Belichick kind of protect, protected him there. Now, was he late? Possibly, um, but again, the Patriots kind of protected him. And, and so, you know what? That's what you have to do. Sometimes, that's what you need. He wasn't getting much protection in Cleveland because Cleveland's a disaster. So, you know, maybe. You know, maybe maybe Cleveland could have helped him out. And if now, I'm not saying you know he was innocent. I'm not. You know, he obviously has major issues, had major issues, or has major issues. But you know, maybe an organization like Cleveland couldn't afford to protect him, uh, like the Patriots can a little bit. So again, there's a long way to go. You know, <laughs> you know, we'll see. <laughs> um, but um, you know, so far he's been super productive and he's been a good player for the Patriots. And I think Brady is starting to trust him a little bit. Uh, on the field. So, you know, again, we'll see. Long way to go. Um, but for now, it looks like a pretty big steal <laughs> for the Patriots. So I think they I think they gave up like a fifth round pick for him or something ridiculous. So Of course. <laughs> right now it's pretty good. <laughs> so talk to me a little bit about Gronkowski. I know you mentioned him, some of his struggles. It helps that you know Gordon like I said, Edelman Edelman's back. Gordon's playing great, takes pressure off of Gronkowski, but the guy's been a non factor for the most part this season. That has been Gronkowski is a fascinating story. I did a, I do every week. I do five things to watch for for the Patriots versus whoever, right? right. I don't know if you've seen stories on Facebook. Um, my slide, I do, I don't know, not to brag, but I do a decent job on my slideshows with insight and, and stats and stuff, you know. Yeah. And, and so this week, I just didn't. So this week, we knew that Gronk wasn't going to play, um, so I did a, a kind of a deep dive into his stats, and he's like. He only has 29 catches this year, uh, which is like six catches behind where he was last year, which is, doesn't sound terrible. But when you watch the games, he's really not much of a factor in the offense. He, he's kind of, you know, he's only been targeted twice in the red zone this year. And he has no he has no red zone catches. He only has one touchdown. That was in the first game of the season. But it wasn't in the red zone. It was a, kind of a, not a bomb, but a, a deep, deep ball uh, from Brady. So, now he's made some big catches this year. Um, but for the most part, you know, he's he hasn't been a, a big factor in the Patriots' offense, even when he's been in the offense. So I'm wondering if this week they set him out again, just say, let's get to the bye week and then, you know, get him healthier. You know, he has back issues. Yeah. He has he, early in the season, I think, in training camp, he had ankle injuries, ankle issues, all that kind of he missed some time for. So, um, you know, he's had a lot of issues this year. But even when he's been in the offense, he hasn't been a huge factor. It was quite fascinating because – his contract is very much incentive-based. 
Right. Right. X amount of money. I don't know what the details are offhand. Um, but he gets X amount of money for, you know, touchdowns and catches and games played and whatever, whatever. Uh, and, you know, right now he's way behind those incentives. He has a he has to have a big time, like, second half of the season to achieve those incentives. And so it's quite interesting that he's already missed two games, um, you know, possibly three if he misses this week, which is kind of what people are thinking. Again, we don't know for sure because you never really know. But um, but it's been it's been interesting. It's been a weird weird first half of the season for Gronkowski. He had the the drama kind of in the off season where um, he was threatening to retire for some reason, and then Belichick was going to trade him. And then he said, "No, I don't want to be traded." He refused to be traded. Um, Belichick wanted to trip to the Lions actually, yeah. and he said, "He said I don't want to be traded." He said, "Tom Brady's the only quarterback that I'm playing for." And so, and so it's quite interesting. And, and and he confirmed the trade happened, which is t- weird. That never happened in New England. Yeah. Confirmed that the trade was going to happen. And that's where he told the media after the Lions game, he said, he said, no, I told him I, was, I didn't want to be traded. I, t- I told him that Tom Brady's the only quarterback that I'm playing for. Yeah. So, so that kind of, that kind of came out. And again, it was him that confirmed it. So <laughs> usually that never happens in New England. Usually these guys are you know, all buttoned up and, so it's been fascinating. It'll be a fascinating rest of the season uh, for Gronkowski to see if he becomes more involved, or um, maybe there's something else in the works, or maybe he's not. Maybe he's not healthy. Maybe Belichick knew something that we did uh, about, about Gronkowski, and that's why he tried to trade him, uh, which is very possible. Um, but so far, it's been a uh, kind of a disappointing year for Gronk because usually by this time, you know, he's had six or seven touchdowns and he's on top of the league. Well, he's only got one touchdown, and he's only got two red zone targets, which I think is the most more alarming thing than the touchdowns. He's only been targeted yeah. twice in the red zone. Yeah. So um, it's going to be interesting the rest of the way. Hopefully he can get back on the field uh, for the Patriots' sake. Um, but they've won games without him. You know, they, they know how to win without him. It's not like, you know, the world is over because Gronkowski can't play. We won a Super Bowl without him. Granted, that's because Atlanta crapped their pants. I understand that, but you know, hey, a win's a win, right? Yeah, here you go. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, we'll see what happens the rest of the year. We just didn't see if he plays this week, or if they just say, you know what, sit out and come back after the bye week. And I, I'm thinking that's what they'll do. Um, but for all I know, he could be out there playing and have six touchdowns in the game, and the world will be right again. <laughs> you know, I mean, it is Gronkowski. You can't count the guy out. So. Yeah, that's how the Patriots go. Yeah. You know, and the, the drama, I know you mentioned the drama. You know, everyone said all the Patriots are done at the end of the se- the beginning of the season, and it does seem to happen a lot. Um, I don't know if they've ever started one and three. Uh, I don't think they've done that. One and three would have been tough. That Miami game was a must win in week three, whatever it was, or week four, whatever it was. Yeah. Anyway, um, but it, it felt different this year because of the drama in the offseason. You had the Brady and Guerrero thing. You had Brady didn't show up to mini camps, which he always shows up to. You had Gronk threatening to retire immediately after the Super Bowl. Um, you had the Malcolm Butler situation, and I know we'll get to him in a minute because he's a fascinating story too. Mm-hmm. So that's why one and two kind of felt different this year, and they lost to the Lions, which isn't a game they usually lose after just getting their butts whipped by Jacksonville. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I kind of give them a pass on the Jacksonville game because let's be honest, that was their Super Bowl. Yeah. Right. In Jacksonville, Tom Brady and the Patriots coming in. That's like their Super Bowl in week two. 
Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, that's the so, game. And they blew doors, and Jacksonville blew doors in that game to their credit. But, you know, that's they haven't done much sense. They're pretty they're back to irrelevancy for the most part, the Jaguars. So that kind of shows you, you know, what that game meant to them. That was, that was their Super Bowl. And so it was also 90 degrees. So I kind of get the picture of the passing out. That was kind of like a scheduled loss, if there is such thing. Um, so, and then, but the alarming thing was that they came out the next week and got blown out by the Detroit Lions. Jordan, in, now it was in Detroit, uh, but they're not a great team by any stretch. Uh, so that, that was kind of what made it alarming. I mean, they never really won that game, but then they came back and they've won, they've won five straight since. They beat on Miami, who was undefeated at the time. Uh, they beat Green Bay, obviously, last week. That was a big win. That was a big win. Aaron Rodgers to 17 points. Um, and they beat Kansas City. Now, granted, yeah. it was a shootout, but hey, they, I mean, they still beat them at Gillette. And now, if Kansas City can lose one more game, uh, which they're going to play the Rams. So they could, you know, Kansas City could drop drop another game, and then the Patriots have home field advantage in the AFC Championship. And so that's kind of what we're looking at now. I mean, the Steelers are dangerous, I guess. Um, but, again, they're the Steelers. They'll do something. I think they're playing tonight, right? They're playing Thursday Night Football tonight? Uh, I believe uh, Carolina. Are they tonight? Is that tonight? I thought it was. I could okay. be wrong. Thursday night. Um, again, we're taping this podcast on Thursday, so uh, yeah, I believe yeah, I think yeah. it is. Yeah, they're playing in Pittsburgh at 8, 8.30 tonight. Yeah, so, so, you know, the Steelers are kind of scary just because of Roethlisberger. But we saw what happened to them last year. Yeah. I mean, they completely fell apart. So, uh, right now, the Warrior is kind of Kansas City. And if they can lose another game or two, uh, and again, they have to play the Rams. They have to play some tough teams. So, yeah, uh, then, you know, you get the FC Championship back at Gillette. And, you know, let's go. Let's see what, you know, Showtime Holmes has. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, in the AFC Championship game against Tom Brady, right? <laughs> At Gillette. You know, in Kansas City, it would be tough. I'll give them that. If the Patriots have to go to Kansas City, that'd be a tough AFC Championship game to win. Yeah. But if it's in Gillette, I mean, as a Patriots fan, if you're a Patriots fan or whatever, you got to feel decent about, about your chances in that situation. But we're a long way from that. I understand. But again, this is what we have to go on. This is this is what football gives us week to week, up down. Most teams it's just down, down, down. <laughs> so <laughs> I can think of uh, at least one team that's down, down, down all the time. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, all right. So you did you did mention Malcolm Butler? We we have to talk about this because I mean this like you said this was one of the bigger stories coming out of the camp was that they traded away Malcolm Butler. Well, they didn't trade. They, re- they didn't resign. They didn't resign. Him, sorry. Yeah, um, yeah. Malcolm Butler. He re-emer- he's reemerging in the news uh, in New England this week because the Patriots are playing the Titans on Sunday afternoon at one p.m. Obviously, Malcolm Butler uh, played for the Titans. He signed that big, big contract in the off season, and I don't have the figures directly in front of me, but it was a you know a big time deal. It was like number one cornerback money, and to say the least, he's pretty much getting burned. On a weekly basis, <laughs> uh, he got burned uh, last Monday night against the Cowboys. I watched the game specifically to watch Malcolm. Uh, he basically got burned on two big plays, in which the Cowboys scored touchdowns on. Now, Titans won the game, uh, which I was kind of surprised at, but right. that too, says more about the Cowboys, I think, than the Titans. Um, but nonetheless, he got burned on two big plays, 
And so I did some research because that's going to be my big kind of focus this week because it's a fascinating story, right? Uh, Belichick benched him in the Super Bowl. There was a lot of outcry. Now, I'm not saying, you know, Bella's current status, uh, you know, and he should have that, you know, that gives Belichick, get, that gets Belichick off the hook. Because um, I still think it was a dumb move to bench him in that particular situation, in that particular defense. Um, but if you look at Butler this year, um, Pro Football Focus, which is a kind of a, a stats-based football website and kind of stats and analysis, mm-hmm. is one, that one in Pro Football Reference, two of the big sets I use. Malcolm Butler is ranked as the 82nd best cornerback in the league. 82nd, 82nd best, and he's got a score... I believe his score is like 59, wow. right? So it's like, you know, what happened? It's like, boy, uh, what kind of a fall? You know, he had that he he left the Patriots. There was a lot of controversy over the benching, etc. He has a major contract in the offseason. Again, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I I remember I wrote about it uh, with the Titans, and now he's kind of getting burned on a weekly basis. So uh, it's kind of come back in the news this week. Obviously, Osmond and the media are talking about uh, reliving that whole Malcolm Butler saga. Um, and now it's, it's kind of interesting to see how far he's fallen uh, in the league. Uh, to, by comparison, uh, Stefan Gilmore, who a lot of people thought was terrible at the beginning of last season, uh, he, he was. He, was he, he struggled. He's ranked as the fourth best cornerback in the league, according to Pro Football Focus. So yeah. uh, it's interesting. It should be an interesting uh, lead up into Sunday's game. And I'll be doing a deep dive into it, uh, into Butler's stats and exactly, you know, how he's getting beat and whatever. Uh, in my preview, that'll be up uh, Sunday morning uh, on Go Local Prop and Go Local Worcester, uh, just for the record. So I'm uh, looking forward to that. Obviously, there's other storylines, too. Mike Vrabel is the coach of the Titans. Uh, he obviously used to play for the Patriots. It's part of that, that Patriots original dynasty years. Um, and so that would be a story. And Deion Lewis. Deion Lewis is another guy, a running back, um, that used to play with the Patriots last year. He left the Patriots. He went to, off to Tennessee. Um, I haven't uh, looked much into him yet, but he'll be another guy I'll, I'll be looking at to see how he's doing uh, in his new surroundings. Because the Patriots haven't really met, missed the beat in the running game. Obviously, Tony Michelle's been out, um, but he's expected to come back this year, this week, excuse me. And so, and he's been pretty good um, for, I don't, I don't I don't think the Patriots should have drafted him in the first round because he's a running back, but he's been pretty good so far, other than the first couple of games where he didn't have much of a preseason. So uh, the first couple of games were kind of his preseason. Yeah. Um, so, but he's been really good, and the Patriots' running game has been as good as maybe it's ever been, um, arguably. Um, so, uh, and we're, we're even using Cordero Patterson as a running back. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> And it's working. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's just an interesting week. And then, you know, by week. And then I think we, we play the Jets next after that in That's two right. weeks. Yep. The Jets yeah. Thanksgiving weekend. <laughs> yeah. So we'll put our B team in for that game. <laughs> and, and <laughs> it's all right. Sam Darnold will still throw like four interceptions. So not to worry. Yeah. Just as long as it's not another butt fumble, I can't handle that on a Thanksgiving weekend again. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't worry, the B team will be in. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll be like, we may even start Brian Hoyer. Yeah, or not. Uh, no. <laughs> no, but the Jets always play the Patriots tough. It's always an exciting game. So uh, I think Sam Donald is still a good pick. Obviously, he's going to struggle. I mean, you know. 
it's a rookie. He's he's in a rookie year. The team's not very good. He doesn't have a lot of weapons around him. They just lost. Uh, they just lost um, Bilal Powell. I think that he, he needs he needs more time to flourish. If if he's going to be a franchise quarterback, he just needs more time. Yeah, I mean it's not gonna. You know, he's gonna struggle. He's gonna have struggles. Like you said, the team isn't that great around him. He doesn't have a ton tons yeah. of production. I mean, he's getting killed in the pocket, right? I and mean, he's getting he's running yeah, out of the pocket every. Yeah, they're all every, terrible. Yeah, so you know they had to bring us some help in for him, but I think that was the right pick, so he'll be good. Yeah, and you know I was hoping that Miami was going to stay good and, and give the Patriots some competition, but that's not working out too well either. Um, and so well, that's too bad. But you know the rest of the season will be interesting. Um, they have a ton. Of, Patriots have a ton of tough games left. Um, they, have, they have Minnesota at home in, at Gillette in a couple of weeks. That'll be interesting. Uh, the Vikings, and then they have at Pittsburgh. Um, that's kind of the, those are kind of the two two games that would be interesting. And by the time we get to Pittsburgh, who knows what you know their record could be? Um, because I feel like they're vulnerable in some ways. You watch their games, and it's just like they're barely squeaking by some of these games. Yeah, and they should have Cleveland at the beginning of the season. Uh, they don't have Le'Veon Bell, and this kid Connors is pretty good, so give him credit. But yeah, Le'Veon Bell, and now they're saying that they don't even think Le'Veon Bell's going to come back. I they mean, might, at, at this point, back. just trade the guy or something. Did you wait? Did you see the pictures of him on the jet ski? He's got like a big beer belly going on now. I don't even think he's working out at this point. Yeah, so so we'll see. What the, by the time we get to Pittsburgh, we'll see what it means. But again, they're they're Pittsburgh, and they. You know, last year they, they talked kind of a lot of trash before the before the playoffs, and they ended up, you know, not even getting to the Patriots before they yeah. ended up losing to Jacksonville. Yeah. So I don't know. quite think they're there. at that same level as the Patriots and the Chiefs. Don't get me wrong; they're probably one step below, but they're not quite as good as those two teams this year. No, one you wouldn't you wouldn't think so. That has to go to Kansas City. I think Kansas City will beat them. Yeah. Uh, but again, the big thing is. You know, right now Kansas City has home field advantage over the Patriots for, you know, by one game. And if they, also if you know, if the Patriots were to go undefeated the rest of the season, which isn't impossible, um, and Kansas City loses another game, which they could because they got to play the Rams. Yeah. Uh, in Mexico City, it's not a, it's a neutral site, um, for some reason, but that's another story. I feel like um, all the Mexico City fans are going to root for LA though. I don't know. Maybe that's just my fault. Probably. Probably. No, they could. So, you know, we'll see. If they lose one more game, then all of a sudden it's a different story because now the AFC Championship is in Gillette. And you got to feel good if you're a Patriots fan if you have a home game, you know, <laughs> against against Kansas City or against anybody yeah. uh, in the AFC Championship. But there's other teams, too, that have been impressive so far. And I know it's a ton of football other than the Patriots. I mean, I, I pay attention, obviously. But the LA Chargers are having a good year. Yes, they're they Philip Rivers. They're, they're flying uh, and, under the radar right now. The Chargers. Yeah, no one's talking about. No one's talking about them. Yeah. So could they go in and knock somebody off? You know, maybe. Who knows? Nobody's even going to their games. <laughs> Houston is rolling. Yeah. Uh, Houston Texans are rolling. Uh, obviously, in the NFC, Des Bryant just signed with the Saints. <coughs> Excuse yeah, me. That's big. Uh, what was it? Yesterday or today? Or whatever it was, he yeah, signed with the Saints. Late, I think. Yeah. Um, so that's that's gonna that'd be interesting to see how he works with Drew Brees uh, and the FC. Obviously, the Eagles uh, they just signed somebody big. 
I was traded for somebody. They just traded for Golden Tate from the the Lions. That was last week, last Wednesday. Yep. So you still have them. Carson Wentz is back. They haven't. They kind of had a lackluster season in some ways after winning last year, but they're they're always a threat. Um, And then uh, there's a couple other teams. You know, obviously, I mean, Green Bay's. I think they're out of it. Uh, And I think you know they're three. They're three, four, and one. Um, That's the other thing. Pittsburgh has that tie. Which which kills them, and uh, you know, in rate in the standings. Um, so uh, there's something that hurts them. But Green Bay, yeah, I think they're probably done at this point. Uh, let's say you go on a crazy run, which they could, I guess. Um, so it should be really interesting the rest of the season. It always is in the NFL for the most part. I know the last few games, last few weeks, they're all division games. Um, you know, obviously the, the Patriots division is pretty much terrible for the umpteenth year in a row. Mm-hmm. But um, it, sh- it should be interesting to see the seedings and who who ends up kind of emerging. Yeah, I think the L.A. Chargers or sleeper team to knock somebody off. And it could be the Patriots. Who knows? I mean, you never know. They don't play each other this year, so we don't know what that matchup looks like. Yeah. Uh, Philip Rivers, obviously, is always a threat. Um, he's always a, he's a dangerous quarterback. Um, but, you know, it should be interesting the rest of the way to see who kind of emerges and who's – Who's for real? And if, if Kansas City can keep their magic going, so if Kansas City has home field advantage throughout the playoffs in the AFC. Anyway, obviously the Super Bowl is neutral. Uh, that Arrowhead Stadium—that's a tough place to play, <laughs> and they're, they're going to be rocking uh, for an AFC Championship game over there. So if they can keep it going, that ra- that game against the Rams obviously uh, is huge, and uh, in, in several different ways. Obviously, the undefeated thing is off the table because the Rams lost uh, last week. To the Saints, um, but if, if uh, that's going to be that could be a big game for you know home field advantage because you know I don't like I said the Patriots might lose one more game, um, but I don't see them losing many more than that at this point. Again, I mean, you never know; things happen, injuries happen, whatever. But it doesn't seem like looking at their schedule, they don't lose more than one more game, and that's either going to be a, maybe Minnesota, although Minnesota's coming to Gillette. Or to maybe at Pittsburgh, um, but again, that Pittsburgh game is weeks away, and who knows what Pittsburgh is going to look like <laughs> by then if they're going to be relevant <laughs> as far as the overall AFC standings go. I mean, they should make the playoffs, but um, yeah, you know, so we'll see. All right, well, I think we're going to wrap it up. Any last minute thoughts, Joe, or, or have we pretty much covered everything? No, we went through the whole league. Um, interesting game this week with the Patriots playing Minnesota. Interesting game tonight with Pittsburgh playing Carolina Thursday night. I'll, I'll be interested to see what happens coming out of that game. Because that's a tough game for them. Uh, and then the Patriots-Tennessee Titans on Sunday afternoon. Patriots versus Malcolm Butler. And like I said, Malcolm Butler is currently ranked by Pro Football Focus as one of the worst cornerbacks in the league. Uh, 82nd overall. So... Uh, just a few months after getting a major, major deal uh, from the Titans, signing a big-time contract, and he's getting beat. I watched him last week, like I talked about. Uh, I really focused on just him, and he's he's getting beat. So it'll be interesting. Uh, interesting storylines going into this game. It's not the most exciting game in the world, um, but there's a little, a few interesting storylines that I'll be focused on for my preview that'll go up on Sunday morning. You can check out on on Go Local Props Twitter page. I'll retweet it from my Twitter page, and obviously it'll be on my Facebook page, as all my articles uh, and stories are. And then uh, 
it, it should be a lot of fun. But I'm looking forward to this week. Looking forward to diving in deeper uh, to the Texans. I'll probably start that uh, probably Friday ish, and then uh, you know we're mixed in with some college basketball stuff, um, and, and then we'll, we'll go from there. But really appreciate you having me on. It's always great to talk to you, and. Uh, don't worry, you'll have a few more weeks of the jet season to go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for rubbing that in, Joe. <laughs> Thanks for joining us Thanks today. Joe. Remember, you can find Joe Calabro at golocalprof.com. MLS playoffs are roaring on this week with a few matchups today. The Portland Timbers already won on Thursday to make it to the next round. This afternoon, decided the other teams. Sporting Kansas City, they dispatched of Real Salt Lake 4-2. They will play Portland next Sunday. NYCFC, they saw their season come to an end with a 3-1 loss to Atlanta today. The late game tonight is the Red Bulls and Columbus Crew to determine who will play in Atlanta next week. Currently, Red Bulls are ahead in that one by one goal. Looking across the pond, last week we reported that a backdoor deal was occurring between the top Euro clubs to break away from UEFA and form their own Super League. Today, UEFA announced a plan to move Champion League matches between all of the top teams to weekend slots in an attempt to generate more revenue for those squads. That was quickly shut down by the individual leagues who do not wish for their games to be overshadowed by Champions League matches, which are typically on Sundays. So what that means is if you have like Ipswich and Leicester City playing each other on a Sunday, who is going to watch that over Man U and uh, Barcelona? Nobody. So, Champion League matches between the top teams are usually played on Wednesdays, while, you know, Premier League, La Liga, all of those leagues play on Saturdays or Sundays. I mean Wednesday. They play on Wednesday. Um, so that was quickly shut down. FIFA, they also announced that any players that opt to play in this potential Super League will be banned from playing in the World Cup. In a recent discussion with our soccer expert, Tim Nunzik, he basically stated that this would spell an end to, to soccer fandom as we know it and could destroy any club not involved with the Super League. I should note, Tim Nunzig is a very big Tottenham Spurs fan, and they are not one of the teams involved in the Super League, so it could spell the end of his favorite team. I am happy to announce that Tim will be joining us on the program next week to talk about this further. In a recent quote by Henry Winter on Twitter, he states, quote, A European Super League with no regulation for its 11 founding members would have no sporting integrity for the start, let alone the sheer greed and arrogance of the idea. That's a private members club, not a proper competition. No risk, no drama, no credibility, no thanks, end quote. Keep with us as we continue with this story. Now this week it looked as though Floyd Mayweather was going to make a comeback, and then he didn't. It was announced that he would be fighting Japanese kickboxing phenom Tenshin Nazukawa, Nazukawa. Uh, after over a year of being retired once again. That's right, he's retired quite a few times at this point. As folks got ready to see the undefeated Mayweather head back to the ring, he announced that he was never going to agree, that he never agreed to such a fight. Wait, wait, what? Turns out, the fight was initially going to be some form of underground exhibition match that had no official records on the line. That turned out to not be true, and Mayweather ran with his tail between his legs. It's obvious he's afraid of losing his perfect record, but he isn't ready to retire, so he has two options. He can hang up the gloves and just disappear into the sunset with his perfect record intact, or he can keep on fighting chumps for the rest of his life for the sake of gimmicks and a boatload of money. Whatever he's going to do, he's not going to play any of the big players out there or any actual professional boxers 
So why do I want to watch this? Floyd, as a former athlete, you are this week's Athlete of the Week. Thank you. Special thanks, as usual, to the content editor of our podcast, Johanna Drago. She's also the designer of our logo. Music for this podcast includes our theme song, Golden Sunrise. That's from Josh Woodward. A link to his website can be found in the show notes. Thank you so much to our social media warriors, including Mary Kay Albert and Lois Butler. And a special thank you as well to Joe Calabra for being on the show. It was a pleasure as usual. Tim Nunzig for his insight on the European Super League. Thank you, Tim. If you'd like to be on the show or share your opinions slash questions, via email. You can email us at sports3xpodcast at gmail.com. It's so easy. It shouldn't take you any more than like 30 seconds if you have a burning question. You can also find us on social media sites like tech, Facebook, textbook, <laughs> Facebook, SoundCloud, Twitter, and YouTube. Just type in Sports Workforce with Nick Drago or Sports Rex Podcast. Remember to like, comment, share, email, Twitter at us, tweet, tweet, and Snapchat us. A silly picture. Now, wait, we actually don't have Snapchat. Remember, our email is at gmail.com. Obviously, I'm ending the show today because I'm tired, as usual. Next week, I'll be off in the woods for an unknown amount of time, so next week's show will be a little break from tradition, just a bit, but nonetheless, I will not be leaving you high and dry with absolutely zero content. As usual, it's late, I'm cranky, so I'm going to go to bed. However, thank you for stopping by, and please have a lovely night.